Well, good morning and welcome to Genesis. I want you to know the air conditioner is on, okay? Hey, John, could you close those doors? Maybe we'll keep the air in. Let's pray and we'll get started in our series. Father, we do thank you again for this morning, a beautiful day, Lord. And even though it's warm, Father, we have air conditioning. And even though, Father, there are things we can complain about, there are more things that we can be thankful for. And so, Lord, may our hearts be grateful. May this morning we be filled with gratitude for you and what you've done and what you want to do in our midst this morning. As we look at these passages of Scripture, may you open our eyes of understanding to embrace all that is here. We thank you again for an opportunity for us to gather together as a community to have a purpose and a goal in unity, to honor you and to embolden one another, to change this world by effectively representing you. We do ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in Genesis, our series beginnings, and we're in chapter 24. If you have a copy of the scriptures, you can open up there. If you need a copy, raise your hand and Rick will get you one. And if you have it on your phone, you can look on your phone. Um, But we're going to be going through Genesis chapter 24. Now, we've been on this journey and we've seen some amazing things. I mean, we've looked at the creation of the universe, okay? It doesn't get much bigger than that. The creation of all things and then the creation of mankind. We've looked at our purpose and what God has done in breathing His life into man and making us in His own image. We've seen the fall of mankind through Adam and Eve. And we've seen that degradation that has escalated so that All that was happening was evil continually on the earth. And we saw that God tried to put a stop or slow down this evil spread with a flood that destroyed the world as we know it or knew it or they knew it. I didn't know it. It wasn't that old. We also saw that as things started to develop again, there was a dispersion with the confusion of the languages. So again, it would slow down this evil intent that was taking place in the hearts of humans everywhere. And then it shifted and we saw this man who God spoke to and called out Abraham. And he called him out and said, I'm going to make you into a nation. And we've been journeying with Abraham through this time. And and we're actually going to take a turn now because we're going to pivot from Abraham to his son, Isaac. Isaac, who was... Basically, that miracle child. I know every mom says their child's a miracle child, but this one really was. He was born in their old age. He was a promise from God. And what's interesting is this is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. And I started thinking, why would this chapter take up so much space? What's, what's going on here that this story has to be told? And it actually gets told, in a sense, twice as the servant speaks of it. And we're not going to read the whole thing, but we are going to go through it and, and see what's in here for us. So Genesis chapter 24, starting at verse 1, it says, 
Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham, and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. This is scene one. This is giving us the storyline that is going to be taking place. And it's important that we understand the importance of this matter. You see, his son was the continuation of all that he had. His son is the continuation of not only his family name, but basically the tribe itself. If his his son does not marry and have children, then this is the end of the story right here. It stops. And that was it. The Bible's over. But it's so important that this continues because God has given him a promise. So now he feels the responsibility to care for his son, to see that this line continues. Now, Isaac wasn't living right there with him. We know later on in the chapter, it's going to say he was living somewhere else, but he has this need to get the son a wife. And to us, this is kind of strange because it's like, okay, he's an elderly person. Why don't he go get his own wife? But you see, this was more than just a relationship. This was a connection of families, a connection of tribes. And so at this point, marriages were prearranged by those who were the patriarchs. And now, because he's old, it's necessary. And the reason he probably didn't do it earlier is because he's a guy and he put things off and his wife isn't there to tell him, hey, you need to get Isaac a son. And then he's, oh yeah, that's right, I forgot. And so it goes on a little bit long and he's very old and it's kind of like, I got to do this now. And so it's very urgent. And so he calls his senior servant and he has this oath and, and he tells them, he tells him, I want you to go to my country. He wasn't impressed with the Canaanites and what was going on there. They had a whole different belief system than what he had come from. And he knew that if he was going to continue this tribe, it had to continue with the same understanding of who God is and what God has spoken to Abraham and to his family. And this wife could change the whole direction. Now, I know guys always say, no, I'm in charge. I'm the head of my household. But every 
married man knows that's a lie. We don't say it. We posture ourselves, yeah. Yeah, I'm in charge. I'll let my wife know what I'm going to do. And then they go home, honey, can I? Because every husband knows if the wife ain't happy, what? Ain't nobody happy, right? Okay, I, I see I'm headed down a bad place right now. He knows that this person who comes into Isaac's life is going to be important in the direction of his future. And we need to recognize that the people we bring into our lives direct our future. How many times has someone married a person or been involved with a relationship and not even in a marriage or boyfriend-girlfriend kind of way, even just friendships. And that relationship starts to steer your life. We need to recognize that something important is taking place in our relationships with one another. And you see, at this point in this stage, man is fragmented. He's been separated from his God. There has been shame among himself and with others. And God is trying to bring back wholeness. He's trying to bring back the purpose that man was created in the first place. And that was for the companionship, fellowship with God, for the enjoyment, the populating and enjoying the the benefits of the earth, for companionship. It's not good that man should be alone. And so God is trying to reconnect those pieces that have been broken in mankind and bring him back to a place where he's who he's supposed to be, where he's whole. And one of the important things is who you connect with. Now, this illustration is that of a marriage, but it applies to much more. And it's so strange, as I was going through this chapter and I read it a number of times, it's just so unique. And it's so so much like a movie story. So this is scene one. Abraham goes to the servant, says, Here, I want you to make an oath. Place your hand on my thigh. You can look that up later on and see what that means. If I tell you what it means, you won't think of anything else throughout the entire message, okay? You know, I'm not going to say it. Anyway, also look up what the word testify comes from. That's a hint, okay? Again, I won't go there now. You're already going there in your minds, okay? And so the scene begins with Abraham, the patriarch, saying this promise needs to continue and we need someone in his life to help it continue. And that's true for all of us. We need people in our life for us to continue and move forward. And so he tells his servant, you need to promise me you're going to go back to my country. Don't take my son back. We're moving forward to the promise God has for us. Don't take us back. So the servant swears and he makes the oath and he promises Okay, scene two is going to begin in chapter 24, verse 10. Then the servant left, taking with him 
ten of his master's camels loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Nehorim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. So timing is important. Just a little cue there, okay? Guys, are you listening? Okay, timing is important. There's another story, but I, I got to go on, okay? Just, I've had bad timing in my life, okay? Um, anyway, so he goes when the women are there to draw water. That's a good time to find a woman. Then he prayed, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master. It's interesting that the servant knows who God is through his master. And Abraham had prayed earlier, the Lord is going to send a messenger or an angel before you. God has promised me, so I know God is going to fulfill his promises. And so now he says, God of my master Abraham, help me to be successful to show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside this spring. I love that. See me? Look it. Here I am. I'm standing behind the spring. Look, there's some ladies over there, okay? This is all playing out in his head. See, I'm standing by this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying, slow motion, Rebecca came out with her jar, her hair blowing in the wind, <laughs> on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Melchah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The woman was very beautiful. A virgin, no man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, Pause, wait for it, the suspense. Will she, will she, will she? I'll draw water for your camels too. Cha-ching! I'll draw waters for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becca. That's about a fifth of an ounce. Okay, guys, take notes. This is how you impress a girl. Bring a nose ring, a gold one. <laughs> and two gold bracelets. That doesn't hurt either. Weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? Now remember, he is bringing an entourage with him. There's a whole group of people with him. She answered him, verse 24, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Melchah, bore to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of strong fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. The man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, 
who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. The young woman ran, told her mother's household about these things. Now, Rebecca had a brother named Laban, and he hurried out to the man at the spring. As soon as he had seen the nose ring, it was an impressive one, and the bracelets on his sister's arm, and had heard Rebecca tell what the man said to her, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come, you who are blessed of the Lord, he said. Why are you standing out there? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the men, so the man went to the house and the camels were unloaded. Straw and fodder were brought to the camels and water for him and his men to wash their feet. Then the food was set before him, but he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. So scene two ends, the meeting of Rebecca. And we see in this passage that the servant is hurried. It seems like he's rushing. He, he, he rushes to, to meet her. He sees that she's beautiful. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go for it. Doesn't hesitate. He goes. And then she hurries to get the water. And then we just see this kind of fast-paced action that's taking place here. And there's some really important things to notice in this passage. One is that his requirement or his little fleece before God is let her be someone who is generous. I'm going to ask for water and may she not only give me water, but give the camels water as well. Now, that's a lot of water. I don't know how much camels drink, but it's a lot. And I don't know how many camels there were. It said so earlier, like 10 of them. That's a lot of camels. That's a lot of water. So this isn't just, here's a cup of water. This is going back and forth with a pitcher. This is a duty. And so his requirement in his mind is, may she be someone who is generous, who is kind. In fact, he actually says in verse 27, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master, Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness. Those two words are important in this chapter because they take place again later on in verse 49. And the idea of kindness is loving kindness. It's devotion. God is devoted in a kind and beneficial way to Abraham. And the idea of being faithful is a faithfulness, a truthfulness, having at their core. It's not just doing one thing. It's having a disposition of being trustworthy. God has been good, kind, trustworthy to Abraham. And he sees that in the response that's taking place. And we can't ignore the fact that she was very beautiful. And I want to touch on something sensitive here, but important. Because in any relationship that you are going to engage in, we see beauty. We see it in different ways. And this isn't just about a marriage relationship or a romantic relationship. This has to do even with friendships. Beauty is an important part of how we interact with each other. But if you're going to be involved with the relationship, ask yourself, how am I beautiful? 
I know immediately our minds, especially women, I understand there's a lot of pressure, a lot of things out there that deal with just physical beauty. And there's certain things we're just stuck with. Okay, I'm not going to get any taller. I've been waiting. It hasn't happened. I think I missed that growth spurt. I don't know what happened. This is it. This is all I get. Okay, there are certain things you're stuck with. You know, your physique. You might be small, you might be tall, you might be whatever. You're stuck with who you are to a certain extent. I could be thinner. I chose to be robust. I find it beautiful. (laughs) But there are things you can do to make yourself beautiful that aren't just physical. I played guitar. That's how I got to meet my wife. Telling you guys, the guitar increases your looks by like 30%. (laughs) Stand behind the guitar. How do I look now? Creativity. Have you ever heard someone speak or maybe someone paints something or does something that is just inspiring and all of a sudden you find yourself attracted to that person and it's not in a romantic way. It's just, man, I'd like to get to know that person better just because of who they are. There's a lot we can do to make ourselves Beautiful. So don't think of it just as physical. It's definitely referring to the physical aspect here. But the physical was followed up by what she did. By how she cared. And your beauty can be seen in so many ways. Is it? Are you showing yourself as beautiful or do you think it's all just about appearance? You know, if you're a person who is always complaining, always needy, always requiring someone to help you, what kind of people are going to be drawn to you? But if you're a person who's generous and giving and showing kindness, it shows in your countenance. And so we need to be people of beauty. We need to see the importance of this beauty and that it's connected to our character and how we behave and how we act. So many times people are given to follow after someone just because they're physically pretty. How many relationships have fallen because they have no depth It's just, oh, she looks good. Oh, he looks nice. I want to get to know you. And there's really no dialogue to get to know the person. It's all superficial. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. It's hot. Yeah, it is. I know him. We we have so much in common. He said it was hot. I said it was hot. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) It's really hot. But there's no time that gets to know the person to find out if they're really beautiful. 
And so let's not be distracted by just those things. And we see again that the servant here is intentional. He's there on a mission. He sees, he puts the opportunity before him, and he hurries to embrace it. There has to be an intention in any relationship that you are in. You have to be involved. I've heard so many studies about this passage, how you just need to wait and God is going to bring the right person to you. That's not what this is happening, okay? No, there was the dad getting the servant, sending the servant with camels and a gold nose ring and gold bracelets. There was a lot of intention. God didn't just make this happen, but God went before him. The angel, the messenger, was working. The servant was waiting, watching, and then moved. So you can pray, God, bring me the right person. I just pray the right person comes in my life. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, it's been great serving with you. Yeah, it's great getting to know God, bring the right person in my, my life. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, we can all go out to, to eat later on. Man, she's really nice. God, bring the right person in my life. Wake up! <laughs> Maybe this is the right person. What if there's something else? What if there's someone else around the corner? What if there's no one else around the corner? Be intentional. Know what's important and see true beauty. And if you want that, then step into the relationship in the right manner. Starts off slow. Hey, can I get some water? She gives him more water. Hey, that's a good sign. That's what I was asking for. Hey, what family are you from? Hey, that was the other thing that was important. It was from my family. This is great. Here's a nose ring. Take me home. Meet your family. And then the story continues. Now, scene three is very similar to... Scene 2, we're starting verse 32. It says, So the man went to the house, and the camels were unloaded. Strong fodder were brought for the camels, and water for him. And as his men, t- and given to his, water given to his men to wash their feet, then food was set before him. But he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. And then what he has to say is what we've just read. And it repeats all of it. Okay, he goes on and he tells him, you know, I, my master, Abraham, he's wealthy, he's doing well, God has blessed him in every way, he sent me here to find a wife for his son, he didn't want to find a wife in Canaan, he wanted to be from among his own people, and I prayed to the Lord, the God of my father, Abraham, all the things we just read, and whoever gives me the water and then gives water to my camels, it's going to happen, and then it's from the family, you're the family, and again, there's this hurried motion, and he's saying, so this is it, man. This is it. This is why I'm here. This is why we're here. And so in verse 48, we're going to jump down there. It says, And I bowed down and worshiped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me on the right road to get to the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. A strange family tree. Now, if you will show kindness and faithfulness. God has shown kindness and faithfulness. The same words used here. If you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me so that I, we know which way to turn. 
And so I'm looking for someone who will give to me the kindness, the faithfulness that God has given to me. I'm looking for the people to be in my life who are like God is in my life. The people who will refresh my life and help my life to be better. Are the people around you making you better? Is there kindness from them? Is there truthfulness, faithfulness? Or are they leeches? that are just sucking the life out of you. More important, am I a leech? Am I just sponging all I can from people? How long will that last? What kind of relationships will I have? We won't have kindness and faithfulness. And so, Laban... Verse 50 answered, this is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or another. Here is Rebekah. Take her and go and let her become the wife of your master's son as the Lord has directed. And so here she is. Go ahead. Don't you wonder, what does Rebekah think? (laughs) Hey, excuse me. Don't worry. We we get her her voice in there. And, And so when Abraham's servant, verse 50 heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the gifts and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. Again, there's this urgency. But the brother and her mother replied, let the young woman remain with us 10 days or so. Then you may go. But he said to them, do not detain me. Now that the Lord has granted success to my journey, send me on my way so I may go to my master. Then they said, let's call the young woman and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? I will, she said. I will go, she said. Wow. She said, yeah. And again, she didn't say yeah to... Isaac, she said, yeah, to the servant. So this has a lot of interesting dynamics to it. And so they sent their sister Rebecca on her way along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the cities of their enemies. Then Rebecca and her attendants got ready and mounted the camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebecca and left. That ends the scene. She said, I will go. There always has to be a willingness to love. If any relationship is going to succeed, there has to be a willingness for it to succeed. When I counsel with people who are struggling and in crisis, and they come before me and they say, yeah, we're having problems with our relationship, our marriage even in family situations, you know, mother, son, mother, daughter, father, whatever. I ask before we even get started, what do you want? And if the wife says, well, I I want to be with my husband, I want to make this work, and the husband says, well, I want out. I then you say, well, what do you want me to do to change what you want? Because you will do what you want. You can know the right thing, but if you love the wrong thing, you will make the wrong decision. 
And so it's important to know what a person wants more than even if they know what's right or wrong. Because most of the time they know what's right or wrong. If there's a husband who's had an affair, he usually knows it's wrong. He's ashamed. The family knows about it. Everyone tells him, what did you do? That's terrible. The kids are upset and it's brought all kinds of discord to the family. He knows it's wrong, but I still want to know, what do you want? Because unless you want to stay, unless you want to make it work, it doesn't matter what you know. And so let's ask the young lady, do you want to go? I'll go, she says. And so we start to see now there's this willingness in the heart. And we come to the last scene, and this is probably one of the most romantic portions in Scripture. Again, I just see the movie. It's out in the field. It's at dusk. Rebecca, verse 61. And her attendants got ready, mounted the camels, and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebecca and left. Now, scene change. Isaac, tall, dark, handsome man, had come from Beer Lahorea, wherever that is. For he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate. We don't know what that word meditate means. Not clearly. He was thinking. He goes out there to think. And as he looked up again in slow motion. Now it's interesting. This is the same threefold expression that was used when Abraham saw the ram that was caught in the thicket that replaced Isaac, he looked up. He saw camels approaching. Little dust cloud behind them, the sun behind them. All he could see is the silhouette. Rebecca also looked up now and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel, probably quickly, and asked the servant, who is that man in the field coming to meet us? She probably said it something like that, but with a woman's voice. (laughs) He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Now, interesting, up to this point, the master has been Abraham, my master Abraham. All of a sudden, he's my master. It's Isaac. She veiled herself, covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Now, when I first read that line, I thought, man, what a mama's boy. He's comforted after his mother's death. But you see, again, we're dealing with fragmented people. We are fragmented people. And... Isaac has lost someone important to him. The last chapter, his mother, Sarah. I mean, I don't know who loves us probably more consistently and as long as our mothers. When you lose a mom, you have lost someone who's probably your biggest supporter and your biggest help throughout your life, most of the time. Next week, we have Mother's Day. 
And we've got a special treat for you ladies, so come on down. Come on down. That's all. <laughs> come on down. I'm going to sell you a car. Um, sorry. Back to this track. It was romantic, and then I, I spoke. And so one of the challenges on this spiritual journey is integration with people. And, and that word integer means one. It's unite, uniting, being connected. Again, this is more than just about marriage. This is about bringing wholeness where there's brokenness. And in this world, there is a lot of brokenness. And what brings us the most wholeness is these relationships with one another. And they are so important. It's amazing how out of sorts we get when there is a problem in important relationships. It affects our sleep. It affects our appetite. It affects our ability to concentrate. It affects the core of who we are. It's the most important thing we have. Jesus said, love God and love one another. On this rests everything, all the law and prophets. And so the dynamic of these relationships can't be underemphasized or overemphasized. We, we, we can't miss the importance of this dynamic in our lives, of our connection with other people. And we see that this is really what this story is about. It's not just about a love story, boy meets girl, because it just doesn't work that way. It's no dad tells servant, go find family, go find girl, go bring girl back, and then boy meets girl. It's kind of a long way to get there. But it really is about continuing to bring a wholeness to that person. And that's where it ends. It's interesting because Isaac is really, his relationship with Rebecca is the only one that doesn't have the drama. Okay, Abraham, Sarah, there was Hagar. Jacob, there's going to be Rachel and there's going to be Leah. There's going to be some issues there. But Isaac and Rebecca, they're kind of that non-problematic group. They're, they're, they're those two that you don't worry about because they're okay. There's no drama here. And our Christian spirituality is to bring wholeness where there's fragments. We see the servant is a great representation who's doing the will of the father for the son and bringing someone to the son. His bringing wholeness to this individual, his bringing this unity and the future for not only Rebecca, but for Isaac. And we see this servant as really the heart of this story. And what an amazing thing that in this whole book about origins and beginnings, book about creations and floods and miraculous showings of God and destruction and all these things, the longest chapter is about a servant who does the will of his master. 
And you see, the, the biggest chapter in the history of our life is going to be us as servants doing the will of our master and bringing wholeness to the people around us and in the relationships around us. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for theirs. They shall be called the sons of God. Peacemakers, not keepers, those who make peace. And so, reflecting on this story, are you bringing wholeness to the relationships and lives around you, or are you continuing a fragmenting of them? Is your relationship with that special person, if there is one in your life, bringing wholeness to you and wholeness to them, or is it causing discord and problems? Is it bringing an enriched dynamic of your relationship with God, or is it stifling and suffocating that relationship with God? Are the people who are influencing you, bringing wholeness to you? Are they bringing loving kindness and faithfulness to your character? Because this is what relationships are about. God has shown loving kindness and faithfulness to you. Are the people in your life doing the same? And if not, what are you going to do about it? And are you bringing loving kindness and faithfulness in their lives? And if not, what are we going to do about it? Because this is how we bring comfort in a world that's broken, is by being the people who show loving kindness and faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, again, this story is filled with rich visual impressions and it is indeed a romantic story, but it's so much more than that. It is enriched with this servant who doesn't even have a name and it's almost intentional that the name is omitted. We, we see names of Abraham's servant earlier, but we don't see a name here. And it's almost as if the most important person to continue on this promise that you gave to Abraham is just the person who sees themselves as a servant here for their master. God, what kind of difference could we make as your servants in the lives of the people around us? What kind of impact can we have in bringing wholeness to someone's life with the relationship that we have? How can we lift people up and bring them into a relationship with you and with your son? How can we be used? And maybe the question needs to be, do we want to be used? Are are we willing to put ourselves in this position? What do we want? Because we will do what we want. May we be a people who want to bring your life to those around us. May we be a people who want to see others flourish in our presence. May we be people who want to be beautiful. 
because of who we are and the things that we do. May we impress those around us with the beauty of generosity, with loving kindness and faithfulness. May those be our trademarks. And in doing these things, may we bring honor to you. We thank you again for encouraging us in these stories, Lord. May we be drawn closer and closer to you. We do pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.